Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I'm your host, Dan Kenobi, and we have a big one planned for you today. Joining us on the show, CBS Sports' Brian Campbell, and we'll also be joined by former 140-pound champ Chris Algieri to talk about a very busy weekend and what's ahead uh, still here in 2018. It's been a while since we last talked, and a lot of things have been going on in the sport of boxing. We've seen the launch of the Zone US, something to keep your eye on as Eddie Hearn uh, brings his empire to the uh, the US to try to build this streaming service in boxing. Also, we saw Alexander Usyk dominate the World Boxing Super Series, taking home the Cruiserweight Champion in the uh, making. Great fight there with uh, Gassiev. Uh, but that brings us to this past weekend. We saw a lot of action in the ring over in the UK. The heavyweights really got it going. Dillian White won a very uh, big fight there over Joseph Parker, really back and forth in the 12th round. We saw some high drama with Dillian White getting knocked down to the canvas, but he went on to win. And that sets up a lot of movement in the heavyweight picture because we know that Anthony Joshua is going to be fighting Povetkin in September on the zone. So that means that that, uh, that Deontay Wilder now is going to have to to counter this. He's going to have to fight someone very important. There are a lot of names being thrown around right now. You know, uh, Tyson Fury comes to mind. He is looking to fight uh, Deontay Wilder. So we'll get uh, Chris Algieri's thoughts on that. We'll get Brian Campbell's thoughts on that. But we have to start off this uh, open here with Mikey Garcia. He is the big story in boxing right now. He had a, a dominating performance over Robert Easter Jr. on Saturday night at the Staples Center. Put on a, a show that everyone thought he would. He dominated the taller, bigger fighter. Uh, he cruised to a unanimous decision, uh, decision victory. Now everyone wants to talk about Mikey Garcia versus Errol Spence Jr. And I'm going to have to get the thoughts of Chris Algieri. He knows about moving up in weight. He knows about fighting Errol Spence. Uh, it's a fight that uh, I think it interests a lot of uh, boxing fans, even the casual boxing fans, even the casual sports fans. When you hear about someone daring to be great, someone moving up in weight to fight uh, for a title in a, in a weight class he's never fought before, it's getting the boxing world talking, and that's not a bad thing. So we might actually see that fight at the end of uh, 2018. But we have a big show coming up. We have a brand new Twitter hitters. We have, in case you missed it, and like we said, we have Brian Campbell and Chris Algieri. Stay tuned. And our next guest joining us via the Jack Doyle's phone line is a man that covers all types of combat sports. He'll write about wrestling, he'll write about boxing, he'll write about MMA. If there is a street fight or if there's a backyard brawl, CBS Sports' Brian Campbell uh, will be on top of it, and he joins us right now. Brian, first of all, before we get into boxing, happy birthday, belated birthday. You're 40 years old. How does it feel to be uh, to join that uh, elusive club? Wow, many thanks. You know, come at me. I'm a man, Dan. I'm 40 now. I feel like I got a. Uh, I feel like I'm old, but you know, it's uh, it, 40s the new uh, 30 these days. You know, maybe I'll get some uh, performance enhancers and, and and keep the dream going. You know. Well, 40 in boxing, you're like a ripe young man. Like, I mean, uh, oh, Vander, heavyweight. Yeah, Vander Holyfield fought till he was about 61 years old. 
I think he's still fighting. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, thank you for the kind wishes. I'm fired up, as always, to join the Jack Doyle's hotline. That's what I'm talking about right there. Yeah, Jack Doyle's right in the heart of New York City, 35th and 7th. The best place to go if you want to watch Big Fight. Uh, we got NFL around the corner, great place. And uh, go to Jack Doyle's, tell him that Brian Campbell sent you. But uh, let's get right into it, man. Let's let's get in the zone right now. That's a play on word. Oh, let's yeah. talk streams. Let's have a little stream wars. You were there well, for the... Never cross them, though. First of all, never cross them. How's your stream looking these days? Uh, strong. Very okay. strong. Good. All right? Likewise. Yep. Yeah. But, um, I mean, you were there for the launch of it. You were there for the rollout. Um, I unfortunately couldn't make it, but everything I saw from some of the uh, the periscopes out there... Uh, shout out Michael Woods was the fact that everything was uh, looked official and uh, they they rolled out uh, some big uh, big time plans from um, exclusively uh, Michael Buffer's new home will be disowned and uh, Anthony Joshua. What's your overall thoughts of the rollout? And we'll get into a little bit about how you think it's going to work uh, moving forward. But that the overall vibe in that building that day. Oh, uh, you know the overall vibe was fantastic from a presentation standpoint. I mean, the the these fine Brits, you know, uh, of the zone, James Rushton, the CEO. You know, they brought in some smart people like John Skipper, the former ESPN head. They seem like they know what they're doing. It was an impressive presentation. The food was fantastic. I know nobody really cares about that, but what I'm saying is they glossed it up very nice to at least let you to believe they know what they're doing. This is something fresh. This is something new. No, it's not Days In or Motel 6. It's DAZN. <laughs> but you said we'll follow up with do you think it's going to work. The major problem I think we have is that although obviously Anthony Joshua Alexander Povekin is a heck of a launch point to kick off this new U.S. deal for them, the real question is what happens after that? Because, you know, I love talking to Jesse Vargas and Boo Boo Andrade there, the two maybe arguably biggest named DAZN signed fighters that, that we learned along, along with Jarrell Big Baby Miller. But those three not really moving the needle. One thing that Eddie Hearn did not get yet that he promised big time was the type of PBC welterweights, like that class of guys that, that populate Showtime at the moment, outside of Jesse Vargas, who loved the guy, makes fun fights, but we know he's a B-side. We didn't get Broner, Thurman, Charlo, Charlo. Uh, Garcia, on and on and on, Dan. So it really is tied into the idea of that follow-up question, do we think it's going to work? Because if they don't get anybody else, I don't know how it's going to work. And, yes, I know they have a lot of money. And, yes, both Eddie Hearn and James Rushton, the CEO, told me, hey, guys, those rumors you heard about Eddie only has two years to make this work, those are bad rumors. He's got eight years. He's got a war chest. It's all good. Money talks. Yes, money talks, Dan. But how much will it actually talk? We get one good fight here, one good fight there. If they don't consistently give a reason for you to spend your nine ninety nine, you're not going to spend it. Because guess what? I got nine ninety nine tied into the WWE network. I got another four ninety nine tied into ESPN Plus. I still get HBO and Showtime. On and on. I don't know about you. I don't check your DMs. You might still be getting Cinemax late night in, in the Spice Channel for all I know. Spice but it's a it's a competitive market. Oh, and I yeah. know. All the Kenobio brothers did pick up that reference. I know that. Yes. I know that very well. They did. They did. Yeah, you said a lot of great things there, Brian. Of course, you can't fool boxing fans. We saw what happened with the PBC. They brought out Hans Zimmer. They brought out, uh, you know, those those light those lights in the corners. They had uh, the, the most elaborate entrances that you see on the, in the WWE. But it comes down to it, these fights are why these people are going to tune in. So I ask you now. 
Uh, yes, it wasn't the most impressive rollout in terms of, of firepower. Yes, they do have Anthony Joshua. It's pretty impressive. Do you think now that Eddie Hearn will reach out to the Charlos? And we saw with the Adrian Broner, that, that offer that was on the table, he has the money behind him. Could there be more signings behind this? You know, that's what Eddie says. He says, look, give me time. He says, you know, I've, I've talked to Mikey Garcia. I've given him a three-fight plan on how he can get to Spence. You know, he told me, for example, I'll have Mikey fight Maurice Hooker. Then I'll have him fight Jesse Vargas. Then he'll fight Spence. And that sounds great in theory. But I think the fact that none of those big PBC names made the leap tells you something. And what it tells you, Dan, is it's already a splintered market out there. And this is not good news for boxing fans. And if you're Al Heyman and you have a load of fighters under the pbc label and they're all getting big time dates on showtime and they're getting good site fee money why would you take them off of that when casual fans who subscribe to showtime could still run into a fight that they don't you know know about and go hey i love that guy let me watch him again and why would you take your fighters to an app that's not going to have casual fans or accidental fans right it's going to have maybe some big money up front but you're not going to build stars that way and i don't see you know, Al Heyman, he's a manager, he's secretive, he kind of acts like a promoter, too. I don't see where it's smart for him if he's saying to himself, I've got Showtime, I've got a network, I don't need anything else. So that's the same situation going on with Bob Arum and Top Rank at ESPN right now. He's trying to do exactly what Eddie Hearn's trying to do, right? Throw out some money mm-hmm. and bring people from other sides of the street in. But it's such a splintered market. We know there's already fighters that are tied to HBO that would love to be off of HBO, but they maybe can't. That's the best financial decision for them. I don't see where Eddie's going to do it, even with a big war chest, maybe once or twice to keep the chains moving, right? You, you throw a lot of money at, at one person. It just makes sense. You make the fight happen. I just don't know how you're going to consistently do that. And, you know, boxing fans, like you said, we're not dumb. We see the writing on the wall. I just hope we don't go back to where we were, Dan, in what, 2011, 2012, right. where it was like American and National League, but no interleague play. We can't go back to there. We, I mean, we deserve more. We can't do it. Right. I think that Eddie Hearn is the right guy for the job. I think he wants to make the good fights. I think he can work with a lot of different promoters. He's shown that uh, in the past. So I, I do have some hope here. And another reason why I think it will be successful, uh, because you, you look forward 10 years from now, uh, we all have been hearing this for years now, how cable is going to go away. And uh, most people are going to, you know, it's going to be a la carte. You're going to, you know, buy this channel. You're going to buy this channel. You know, we've seen it everywhere, the Netflix effect. And, we're, and now with ESPN Plus doing it, uh, it doesn't get any bigger than ESPN. They see it now. Uh, you have CBS HQ, which you, you're fully aware about. You have The Zone now. Do you see maybe in five, ten years from now, there's only two boxing enti- entities out there. There's ESPN Plus and there's The Zone, and it's and it's total twenty dollars, and you're getting the best fights. That is a that's where I see the the big picture of this uh, endeavor. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great long term. But you know, we've been talking about the death of TV for a while, and guess what's still happening, right? WWE just signed a monster billion dollars, you know, deal to split up their rights between NBC and Fox, and USC just signed a monster deal. With ESPN, I mean, the TV money is still the backbone of a lot of these things. So, look, streaming TV, in the end, it's all the same thing. It's, it would be great if there was consolidation down the road, but until we see HBO and Showtime want to, want to get out of the business and have a reason to, it's hard to believe that's going to happen. And if, and if it stays splintered, what, what's the zone going to be? Does it have potential to be Matchroom Boxing West? It kind of does, and that's not horrible. I like Kell Brook. I like... A lot of these Americans, a lot of these fighters that he Hearn has access to, I just hope it, 
I hope they have the opportunity to play and make a splash. I no. felt like PBC did have that opportunity, Dan, and maybe didn't capitalize on it because we can't interview Al Heyman. We can't pick his brain. We can only guess. I saw him and once. It didn't work out, and it didn't feel like they put their best foot forward. I feel like the zone wants to put their best foot forward, but they may be handcuffed. Yeah, I think they're going to learn from the mistakes that PBC made. I think they like the fact that you brought up that it's not a two-year window. This is a long-term thing. They have the right people in place. You know, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I think boxing fans are hopeful, too. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's not a big, uh, you know, price crunch and it can be a good thing. So let's stay positive. You're a positive guy. I know that. Let's talk heavyweights. The big boys. The sloppy heavyweights, as you love it. And we saw some great action this weekend um, over on the, the matchroom side of things over in the U.K. But there's a lot of movement now in the heavyweight division. You know, obviously Joshua Pavekin, that's set for September. So, therefore, Deontay Wilder had a counter. He can't go the Dominic Brazil route. He has to fight someone up to Pavekin standard, up to a, a big-time fight to keep the things rolling. Now I'm going to ask you a two-fold question here. Deontay Wilder should fight blank. Deontay Wilder will fight blank. <laughs> oh, that's a great question, right? He should fight Tyson Fury because suddenly this feels like it could be a reality if you believe what both Fury and his promoter Frank Warren has have said this week where they sort of jumped the gun and we're like, hey, we're in talks here. And it's, it's tough because you don't know if you can believe that. You don't know if that's right. Frank Warren and Fury trying to screw Joshua and Hearn or if that's Wilder's people trying to screw Joshua and Hearn and trying to, you know, get some leveraging negotiation and all that stuff. Who will he probably end up fighting? I mean, probably a Dominic Brazil level or maybe a Dillian White who, you know, who had the big win over Joseph Parker over the weekend, which – Storyline-wise, kind of makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, I love White it. gave I like Joshua, it. yeah, White gave Joshua a really hard fight. They're rivals and the amateurs. We've been saying for a while to Wilder, if you really want the Joshua fight that bad, go to England at least once, infiltrate that market, go knock out one of England's favorite sons, right? Really take that next step forward. You're not going to get Joshua next. Dan, you know we're trying to stay optimistic here, but there's another half of the equation. He may not even get him next after that, right? right? We hope so, of course, but that wouldn't be the worst move for him. Uh, this whole Fury talk, though, is very interesting because I always thought Fury was that prize for the winner of right. Wilder Joshua. And it made a lot of sense. He's the, still the lineal champion. And anyone claiming he's not, by the way, the guy, the guy didn't retire. He's still around. Nobody's beating him. He's still the lineal champion. So that's something there. But if Wilder can get in front of that and get him first. Well, then he has something that Joshua doesn't, right? Yeah, it's and a move. I, I get it. I get it. And what you say there brings up so many counter questions I can come up with. First of all, if Wilder fights Dillian White, that's and Eddie Hearn says he has a $7 million offer on the table, leads me to believe that that fight could end up on the zone because, you know, Wilder isn't uh he's not doesn't have an ironclad contract with showtime we're learning that these fighters don't have any real anything in writing with showtime he's gonna make seven million dollars that's definitely an upgrade from anything he ever made that's why i think that this fury wilder thing is coming out uh and gaining legs and gaining traction because that can end up on showtime pay-per-view showtime doesn't want to get burned again like they did losing joshua thoughts there oh that's a that's a great point right there and you're right and and, you know your point on Maybe it not being in writing that they're stuck to Showtime is true, just like all the Heyman fighters don't have ironclad promotional contracts with anybody, right? Like Al Heyman remade the system where he has all the power. Yep. I just think if you're Heyman, there's no reason to move your guys off of Showtime. I don't think we'll see Wilder on DAZN. That's why I would, I would tend to believe a Fury fight probably is more realistic than Wilder saying, hey, let's go fight Dillian White, let's take the money, let's go on whatever channel that he wants us to go on. 
I just want to see good fights. I want to feel like we're moving forward to that eventual Joshua Wilder. I'm not of the camp, though, Dan, that's like brokenhearted to the point that's like, oh, man, we got to see this in April or it's spoiled. No, but we do have to see fights in between that matter. Povetkin's a fine mandatory. That's obviously a dangerous challenge for Joshua. If they made Wilder Fury, holy crap, it's like a gift. It's like a gift that we didn't think we'd get right now, and it would teach us a lot because, Dan, I don't know what you think about Tyson Fury, and I'm certainly not fully confident that he can ever be 2015 Tyson Fury again, but an in-shape Fury is kryptonite to every heavyweight. Yeah, he I really mean, is. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, I just don't know if he's ready yet. Um, every, we saw that last fight. He looked a little – I look a guy that's been off for two years. He's got to lose more weight. People don't realize that he has another fight coming up September 18th. It's not going to be his next fight. Probably won't be till December. But, you know, he's going to be focused more than ever. He's going to get Deontay Wilder. It's going to happen in Vegas. It has everything there. So I am intrigued by that. Uh, if we don't get Joshua versus Wilder, I mean, I'll s- certainly settle for, for Wilder uh, versus Fury. Before we let you go, Brian, Mikey Garcia, we got to talk about it. Where do you stand here? Daring to be great. I know you bl- you're a big believer in that. Moving up to 147 to fight Errol Spence, do you think it's going to happen? And do you think Mikey should do it? I do think it's going to happen because mo- mostly because Spence doesn't have anyone else of a big name to fight, right? He's waiting on right. the winner of Garcia and Porter, just like he's waiting for Keith Thurman to finally come back and take a few tune-ups. So it just makes sense because that's a fight in Spence's eyes. He wins easily. The whole debate is obviously, is this smart from Mikey, right? We saw him at 140 against Sergey Lipinets. He fought hard, but we had the feeling that 40 may have been the ceiling for where his power and punch resistance would land. Agreed. Going to 47 and fighting a killer like Spence, who, by the way, is a junior middleweight, essentially, it doesn't seem like a smart move. And I've been asking a lot of fighters I talk to about their opinion, and overwhelmingly, they all kind of agree with us media guys. We're saying, we love you, Mikey. We love your skills, man. But Lomachenko's a better career-defining fight. Spence is just a loss. Or it's a, hey, you fought valiantly, but, but that's the best you get. But Andre Berto, of all people, the wise sage Andre Berto, when I asked him yesterday, the harvest still coming, Dan, he said this. He said, look, you know how smart Mikey Garcia is, right? And I'm thinking, I'm like, yeah, he's a pretty smart dude financially, pretty smart dude in the ring. He goes, you know he's been sparring with welterweights like Maidana for years. This is not like, you know, a foreign concept for him to go up to 47. It's not like physically he's going to get thrown out of the ring. You know, by the way, I'm completely paraphrasing here. But this is, you know, this is what Berto basically said. And I'm like, that makes sense. He goes, I feel like he sees something that we don't in Spence. Now, Dan, he may, and it may still lead to a loss. But that way of thinking does give me a little bit more confidence that this may not be the rollover that we're starting to fear for Mikey, that he's just going to walk in there and get handled. I mean, obviously, technically-wise, he can hang in there, but bottom line, do I love when people dare to be great? Yes, because this is how you become a star. And you know what Mikey's showing you with this division? That it's not about the money. It's not about the Twitter followers. It's about the thing that nobody's about anymore, and that's that you make your name in the ring in fights that matter, and that things like glory and legacy still matter to a few different people. And sometimes glory and legacy lead you with slurred speech at the end of your career, and that's yeah. no, that's no, you know, that's the reality of it. But man, this feels good under that sense. So I'm not going to be worried about Mikey as much. He's a smart dude. I want to see the X's and O's. I want to see this thing happen. It's got, it's got everything. It's got like an 80s vibe where you have like a guy going up and wait. Everyone says he can't do it. It's got, it has everything, and uh, hopefully it does happen. I do think it's going to happen just to be the business side of it again. It doesn't disrupt Showtime's 2018 budget because it most likely will end up 
on a pay-per-view. They want it. And uh, that, unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately in this case, is a big thing, the budgets and everything. Uh, my, uh, before I let you go, we got uh, Chris Algieri coming on next. Do you have a message for uh, Mr. Algieri? Oh, yes, master boxer, right? I love that he's finally out of the cage. Look, this guy has been on board with avocados way ahead. He's a pioneer way ahead of the time. But if I have a question for him, I always follow Chris Algeri on social media. So does Jim, James Bag Jr., by the way. James Bag And him and I always wonder the same thing. What happens when that camera turns off? What is he slaying? What is going on? And I've been seeing him and Todd Grisham, my man. Oh, my goodness. Spend a, what a tag spend team. a lot of time together by the pools, before the fights. Shirts off, bros out, suns out, guns out, tats out. I want to know what's happening after hours from Chris Algieri. So you ask him that from me because that's what the people want to know. That's a tag team. Grisham and Bag. I'm not Grisham and Bag, but that would be James Bag's uh, just dream. Grisham and Algieri. That's a tag team right there. Leave your women at home because you're losing them, all right? <laughs> Brian Campbell, always the best. Go check him out, CBS uh, Sports. He does great things. He's got a great podcast in his corner with our man, Rafe Bartholomew, who's been on the show before. Brian, enjoy uh, the rest of your day. Once again, happy belated birthday. We've got to get you back on the show sometime soon. Thanks, brother. It's a very busy weekend in the sport of boxing. Things are starting to heat up as we enter the final quarter of uh, 2018. So what we do here at Inside Boxing Live, we get you all caught up with this week's In Case You Missed It. I don't know if you saw this because it just came out today, but Tyson Fury tweeted from his uh, personal account, uh, sent a nice little video. He loves the, the front screen uh, Twitter videos, but he said that he is in advanced talks uh, with Deontay Wilder for a December fight. Now, this is very interesting because we saw Tyson Fury in the ring uh, a few months ago in his comeback fight, and he was still very large. He is losing a lot of weight. I'll give him credit there, but I don't think he's ready uh, for Deontay Wilder. Um, I, I think for Wilder, what makes more sense is to fight Dillian White, and that's another story that came out this weekend is that Eddie Hearn said that uh, he has a $7 million offer, or he's going to be offering a $7 million to Deontay Wilder to fight Dillian White. I mean, that makes all the sense in the world. Dillian White was in an outstanding fight with Joseph Parker over the weekend. He certainly has earned it to fight Wilder. Uh, but as we're seeing here, when Anthony Joshua decided to fight Povetkin, now it's up to Deontay Wilder now to find a worthy opponent to kind of stay on track with Joshua. Whether it's uh, Dillian White, um, I mean, I don't even think, uh, you know, Tyson Fury. I just don't think Tyson Fury is quite ready for that fight. But, you know, money talks, as they say, and that fight would be huge. Whether it's in the U.K., uh, Fury versus uh, Dillian White, um, Fury versus Wilder, I mean, that would be huge. I mean, the, the money would be off the charts. It would be a pay-per-view, I'm sure. The titles will be on the line. But, you know, if Tyson Fury says it's really close, then I don't know why he would go on there and just and just say that. Maybe he's trying to keep his name in the headlines with something that he's going to do. But one quick thing on Dillian White. I saw a tweet over the weekend about Dillian White's backstory. Here in, in the States, we don't know much about these British these British fighters. Um, at least the, the casual fans don't. Some of the hardcore fans do. But when we hear about these, these British fighters, and they used to talk a lot of bluster and they make these ridiculous claims, and they challenge the, the U.S. fighters. But Dillian White, I did not know this, that he was a father at 13. He was shot and stabbed as a youth, and he has a huge family, and boxing saved him uh, from prison and even an early death, he said. So that kind of made me really, really put even more respect on uh, Dillian White, a, a guy that has earning his way to the top of the food chain after that loss to, to Anthony Joshua. He's uh, reeled off a lot of wins. 
that's pretty interesting stuff. You want to check out that article. Uh, it's online. Uh, but moving forward here, in case you missed it, Michael Buffer, can believe this, is has an exclusive deal with the Zone. There was a lot of confusion here when they had their big rollout last week in New York City, uh, announcing the Zone in the U.S. They had their fighters up on the stage. They had Anthony Joshua up there, Big Baby Miller hopped on stage, and they caused a little ruckus. But there was like lost in all the shuffle here. Was that Michael Buffer exclusively? To the zone. I know a lot of these these companies they throw out the word exclusively. So you just figured, all right, uh, Michael Buffer would be uh, is, is the ring announcer for the zone. That's awesome. But if you peel peel it back a little bit, and more people kept tweeting about it as the the day went on, is that Michael Buffer is only doing the zone fights from here on out. No more HBO, no more ESPN. Uh, it's crazy to think about because Buffer. When you think of Michael Buffer, you think of HBO boxing. Uh, when you think of Michael Buffer, you think of top rank boxing, where he got to start on on ESPN. So uh, I know a lot of people were were tweeting about it, and I think it was confirmed. And who knows? I mean, maybe you know Buffer uh, wants to finish out his career doing maybe less shows. That's, no one travels more than Michael Buffer. We had him on this podcast. Go back and search it uh, about his life. I mean, he is everywhere. Monte Carlo. He's going to Germany. He's going to Vegas. He's coming back to the states. No one travels more than him, so maybe he wants to slow it down a little bit, enjoy uh, his last few years in the sport of boxing, and uh, he's going to do that with the zone as their exclusive uh, ring announcer. That's interesting stuff. And finally, we've got to give you a Pacquiao update. I mean, this guy, uh, he still moves the needle, Manny Pacquiao, apparently. And um, <laughs> every day it changes. A different headline coming out of Manny Pacquiao's camp. He's gotten to that point in his career where it's just one ridiculous thing after the next. But just to sum it up here for you, Manny Pacquiao says he's now his own promoter. He put out a tweet and he, he said, I, Manny Pacquiao, I'm the only person that can make any comments on my career. I will be negotiating my next fight. Me, Manny Pacquiao, will be doing that. So as of now, Manny Pacquiao, 39 years old, no longer with the Bob father, Bob Arum, apparently. Uh, he's out on his own, making his own fights. So that's when Bob Arum bounced back and he said, Arum, says it's a mistake for Manny to promote himself. You know, Oscar tried to do it, but he had Richard Schaefer behind the scenes. Uh, Floyd Mayweather tried to do it, but he also had Golden Boy behind him and a lot of smart people making those types of decisions. He doesn't think that, that Pacquiao has those types of people in his camp to properly promote a big fight. And maybe he's right, because we, everything we saw from the Matisse fight was an absolute mess, from the location to uh, taking down to the very last minute to get it on ESPN+. Plus. Maybe there is some truth to that. Usually the Bob father is usually right about that. But Amir Khan is emerging as an opponent for Manny Pacquiao. That really makes the most sense if you think about it for a number of reasons. Pacquiao has tax problems in the U.S. That's no secret. He might never see him fight here in the U.S. So fighting overseas, fighting in Malaysia, fighting in Guam, wherever Manny Pacquiao is going to fight next, it's not going to be in the U.S. So why not fight Amir Khan in the UK, a fight that Amir Khan has been salivating for what seems like 10 years now. He can finally get it. They can put it on the zone. They can put it on uh, whoever bids the highest amount of money. And Manny Pacquiao's fighting in another uh, high-profile fight, and that will be with Amir Khan. That's what I think, at least. And finally, Freddie Roach says he should fight Jeff Horn. So there it is. <laughs> Four headlines for Manny Pacquiao in the span of 48 hours all over the map. But you know what? Pacquiao still moves the needle. People still love to watch him fight. I'm one of them. So hopefully I do see him fight Amir Khan. I'm still holding out hope that I can see Manny Pacquiao, Adrian Broner, uh, before Pacquiao hangs them all up. But there it is, in case you missed it. Our next guest here on Inside Boxing Live, 
uh, coming to us via the Jack Doyle's phone line. Jack Doyle is located right in the heart of New York City, 35th and 7th Avenue. Great place to watch uh, all the big games. NFL's coming your way, and it's not one of those very small New York City bars with the small ceilings that you're feeling cramped. Wide open space, got a great uh, menu there. They also have some healthy food on there. And that brings, me, brings us to our next guest. He is the, the health nut. He is a former 140-pound champion, and now he's a broadcaster. He's the great Chris Algieri joining us right now. Thanks, Chris, for joining us, man. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for the, uh, the great intro there. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> does, it, does it get annoying to you when people bring up food to you right away? They bring up avocados. They bring up all that stuff. Does that get to you? Because you are a former no, world I'm, champion. No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, uh, I, you know, food is, is a major part of my life. and It's a major part of my career. It always has been. Um, you know, if that's what people want to, you know, ask me about and what they find interesting, that's fine. It doesn't bother me. The worst thing to do is to look at your Instagram when you're hungry, because right now I haven't had lunch yet, and so I'm going through and I'm looking at these these the Sunday cookout you had. That looked like the I last might, supper. I might argue it's the best thing to do because you're going to find some healthy options and healthy foods that, uh, if you're hungry, might be might be might be a better bet than what you're thinking of. I mean, what is a Sunday cookout like at the Algerian residence? I mean, you got all sorts of steaks and and, uh, and the the vegetables. I mean, it must be just a, a major cookout. Yeah, no, we that's almost every summer. I thought almost every summer Sunday at the Algeria house. I mean, we are definitely meat eaters. Uh, there's no vegans in our household, but uh, we uh, we like to eat. We like to make it a, a full day event. We hang out, we cook, we, we, we relax, we tell stories. It's, you know, it's a good time. Sundays are a good good time in the summer. So no tarnished beef, none of that uh, canelo meat. No, no, we get we get grass fed and, and and quality stuff, and we don't we don't need any of that extra stuff. The Algerians have enough testosterone as is, so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> good. Love it. Well, let's get to uh, some boxing here. Mikey Garcia, big performance. I mean, I feel like everyone has an opinion on. Um, well, first, let's talk about his performance. What did you think of him uh, going up against Robert Easter? You know, um, I, I I thought that that was I I definitely had Garcia winning that fight. That was my that was my prediction. Um, I actually thought that he might knock Easter out, but um, Easter. I mean, Easter's Easter's a difficult guy to deal with, mostly because of his 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 size. You know, he's he's really tall for for one thirty five. Um, he's got fast hands, got good skills, and he's got a lot of momentum. Being an undefeated guy, being an undefeated champion, defending your title. You know, so all that lined up. So I thought was going to make this a, a really good fight. Um, but at the end of the day, I think Mikey Garcia is just a better fighter. He has more potential, and that kind of showed on Saturday night. Now, everyone has an opinion, I feel like, on this Garcia Spence. Um, they don't think that Mikey should go up. Some people like the fact that he's going up. Where do you stand on, on Mikey potentially going up 12 pounds to 147 to fight arguably the best welterweight in the game right now? You know, I, 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 it sounds crazy when you first hear about it because it, it, it's a big jump to fight a big dominant champion. Um, you know, it, it's not the craziest thing that's been done. You know, Amir Khan jumped up to fight Canelo. Um, you know, in the past there's been other fighters like that too, but it's uh, it's definitely a intriguing idea. Um, I don't think it's a good idea for Mikey Garcia, but at the end of the day, I mean, what is there to lose for him other than taking a whooping? Um, he's jumping up two weight classes. He's fighting arguably the best welterweight in the world. Um, if he loses, he's supposed to lose. If he if he wins, he's he's pound for pound the best fighter in the world. And if he even does well and wins some rounds, his stock goes up. He can always go right back down to 140, 135, where where he probably belongs, uh, and he's still undefeated there. So it, it's almost like a, a a no lose situation for Mikey Garcia. Plus, he'll get paid. 
good money fight. Yeah, I mean, you're right. There's, it, there's, I see why it could happen. There's no one for Errol Spence to fight right now because of the the 147 picture. I mean, the obvious for, for Mikey Garcia would, would be to fight uh, Lomachenko. I mean, you know the politics of boxing mm-hmm. are preventing it for right now. So uh, you're right. There could be a no-lose situation for Mikey Garcia. But no one knows nutrition better than you, as we just pointed out. No one knows the weight cuts, the weight addition, mm-hmm. the human body. No one knows it better than you. Going up 12 pounds, man, and the, the smart way, not just adding on 12 pounds by eating you know crap food all the time, but going up 12 pounds mm-hmm. can't be easy, right? No, no, not at all. Throwing up a few pounds is not easy. Um, you know, weight weight is an issue. You know, at the end of the day, if you got two great fighters, the bigger great fighter is going to win. You know, even if if they're if everything else is equal, if you're bigger, you know, you're going to win. That's just that's just that's why there's weight classes. So, um, you know, being able to put that that size on it, be a real world to it, I think that'd be extremely difficult for uh, for Garcia. He, he's just not that big of a guy. Um, you know, it seems like he makes 35 pretty easily. I know he does get pretty heavy in between fights, but how much of that is functional weight? And then you got a guy like Spence, who is really draining down to make 147. Um, he's a much, much bigger human. He's got a bigger frame. He's taller. He's longer. He's wider. He's got more muscle. It's just, it's just they're two different sized people. Now, if you were in his camp, and, and something uh, that maybe people don't know about you is that you were hired by fighters to work nutrition. Mm-hmm. We've seen it with Danny Jacobs. We've seen it with uh, uh, Sullivan Barrera. If you were in Mikey yep. Garcia's camp, how would you advise him to put on the weight while, like we said, staying crisp, staying fast, etc.? Honestly, I wouldn't have him put on too much weight at all. Um, I would I would find where he's most comfortable and is performing at his absolute best, whatever weight that is, if that's 144 or 145, and have him come in there. You know, you see, you see some of the some of the greats who don't who haven't cut weight in the past. Guys like Floyd Mayweather, guys like Manny Pacquiao, they rarely come in at, at the maximum right. for their weight class. Now they come in where they feel comfortable. Um, you know, Floyd put at 54, he come at 150. Manny Pacquiao put at 47, he come at 145. You know, so I would I would urge Mikey to to find the weight where he is weight and body fat percentage where he's most comfortable and performs best, and stick with that. Now, you fought Spence. big reason I wanted to have you on the show was to talk about what you just addressed with the how to add the weight properly. But not only that, you've been in the ring with Errol Spence. The guy's relentless. Yep. He's got every tool in the, in his arsenal. You know, how do you neutralize a guy like that? Let's talk X's and O's in the ring. How do you, if you're Mikey Garcia, the smaller guy, how do you kind of disarm Errol Spence, who goes to the body so well? It's just like a really well-rounded, strong fighter. Yeah, so, so Spence is, is, is physically, he's a big welterweight. He's long. I, I don't mean big just in terms of size, I mean length. Wow. You know, he's got a long reach. He's a tall guy. Um, you know, a guy like that, generally, when you fight a taller guy, you want to out-jab him. But then there's the caveat that he's a southpaw. It's difficult to, to establish a jab on a southpaw. So um, not that it's impossible, but uh, that, would, that would really be the idea. you gotta, you gotta, you got to box a guy like him. you got to move. you got to use your jab. you got to set angles. you gotta got to make the fight go a couple rounds, go into the distance, because if you let him sit in front and throw combinations, he's going to beat everybody in the world. Uh, Mikey Garcia doesn't want to get into a firefight with a guy like that. He wants to box him and be smart. Mikey can do that. He's, he's got great boxing ability, superb technique. Um, you know, I, I'm just not sure how he'd be able to do with the length. And also, Mikey's footwork is, is very good, but he's not really a mover, and he's not a guy who can be that uh, you know, agile in the ring. Um, so that would that, that's another thing. So I think that would be necessary, especially early on with Spence. Well, another thing with Mikey Garcia, obviously we know the numbers here at CompuBox, he doesn't go to the body a lot. I think only 13% of his landed punches 
or to the body. And when you have a guy bigger than you, I could be wrong. I'll ask you right mm -hmm. now. If a guy bigger than you, you want to go to the body to kind of slow him down. Is that correct? Yeah, I was I was actually surprised in the Easter fight that uh, Mikey didn't, didn't go to the body more, especially with a guy like Easter with such a long torso. Um, but, you know, he was having good success up, up top. I think Mikey's best punch is his jab. I mean, he's got a fantastic jab. The timing is incredible. Um, you know, so for a lot of times, it, it, I, I do agree. He, he, he misses out on opportunities to the body. And um, a lot of the great punchers of, of the past have all been good body punchers. Even if they knock guys out to the head, they, they weaken them to the body first. Um, that would be important for a guy like Spence, but also then you get into the danger zone of when you're going down to the body, you leave your head open. Right. So, you know, that might be the reason why, uh, you know, Mikey's a sharpshooter. That might be why he's so conscious on, on headshots. Now, if you watch a fight on, on ESPN, you'll hear Tim Bradley, and he'll say over and over and over, go to the body, go to the body. Why isn't he going to the body more? He's turned into a great broadcaster. Mm -hmm. You know the game better. Just, I mean, you know the game very well, and now you're, you're dabbling in a little broadcasting. I see you doing some international stuff uh, for top rank. Tell us about the experience so far. I know you traveled all the way uh, to Malaysia for the uh, Pacquiao fight. Now you're back in Orlando. You know, tell us a little bit about the, the broadcasting side. You know, it's just one of those things where, you know, you make, you make connections along the way and, um, you know, every once in a while a job falls in your lap and ask if you're interested. And sure, I mean, we're calling a fight. I do that every weekend. I've been doing it every weekend of my life since <laughs> right? I was nine years old. So I sit there, I'm watching a fight. I'm calling the action. I'm talking to people that are around me what we're doing. Now I get to do it for a million people that listen to it. And it's, uh, it's really fun. You know, it's, it's a great time watching a sport that I love. Um, and I get to share the experiences with people who may not have or may not see what I see or understand exactly what's going on. Um, and that's really what my job is when, when I'm working these, when I'm broadcasting these, these sites. Now, you were there for Pacquiao. I mean, obviously that's a very mm -hmm. long trip, and, and that's probably experience of a lifetime. But you were in the in the arena, watching him up close. You know, Do you, do you yep. see that he has something left? I mean, is it crazy to, to see him in, in the ring with Lomachenko or Amir Khan? What did you see from Pacquiao that night? You know, he, um, you know, he, he does have a lot left in him. Um, and I'm not saying that he should be fighting the tip top of the guys, especially in the world with division, um, but he's definitely still got a lot left in the tank. He looked good that night. Uh, things that, uh, like timing and power um, and, 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 you know, his, his ability to, to deal with the range in the ring were all still there. You know, he's not the Pacquiao of, of before. He's not a super fast, agile-footed, in-and-out, you know, combination puncher anymore. That's just, that's just not the guy he is anymore. He's a little bit more plotting. He's not as quick anymore. Um, but he's smart. He's a very smart fight fighter. Even in the Jeff Warren fight, he showed a lot of, of good things in that fight that he still has a lot left to fight. Um, you know, uh, with Batista, he looked, he looked great. But, um, you know, he, I think he still does have a lot left. And I, I actually like either the Khan or the Lomachenko fight. I think they're both interesting fights. Stylistically, the Lomachenko fight interests me. Mm -hmm. Thinking about seeing how those styles with, with, with clash. Um, and then the Khan and Pacquiao fight, it's just it's one of those fights we've been talking about for so long. Right. Um, it makes sense. You know, they could they could fight somewhere, make a lot of money. They both make a lot of money. It's good for the sport, and it, it, I think it's an interesting matchup. You know, what also makes sense is you on the call for that fight, considering you fought both guys. Yeah, that would that would make sense. <laughs> so anyone out there listening, Chris Algieri, you got to hire him to uh, do some broadcasting. <laughs> you were also in the building for this ridiculous brawl in the Dominican Republic that I was just watching clips of Curtis Stevens with his KO one. I mean, what the heck happened out there? Man, it's just, it was one of those things where, um, I don't know, I, you know, I was in there the whole night in, in the arena, and I had a bad feeling as soon as we walked in there. Just, just the way the energy was in the place blew it off. 
Um, I said it to the, the guys that we were with, and I was I was very much thinking I had to be on guard for the rest of the night. And uh, but I, you know, went off without a hitch, and then and then you know, Curtis did his job, got the win. The, the ring swelled up, and man, just all hell broke loose. There's bottles flying Oof. through the sky, getting getting thrown across the room. It was it was wild. Um, but luckily, we all got out of there, you know, okay and not not too banged up. And uh, we got a good story. Oh, man, jeez. I mean, it's not on the level of Colada Bow. I mean, I've been in some arenas when these, these fights break out in the crowd and sometimes they spill over. But that just look. first of all, I was in, like, some type of gymnasium. And then I'm, just watch the clips. I mean, it just, like you said, stuff flying everywhere. Did you ever feel like, oh, man, I might not get out of this unscathed? I was. I literally took a table and was using it to, to knock flying beer bottles out of the air oh as they were God. flying. I got it. Like, like it, was, it was a war zone. Um, and it was a very small space too. It wasn't like a big arena like a Bogalato where right. you know there was you know chairs that were locked into the ground. It, we could throw. They were throwing everything in there. Um, so it was it was definitely wild. But one of those situations you really got to keep your, your head on a swivel and, and, and boxing. Watch everything around. That's boxing for you. You never know what you're going to get when you come into the arena. Uh, quickly, before we let you go, we just had CBS Sports' Brian Campbell on, and I asked, do you have a question for Chris Algieri? And he didn't want to know anything about, you know, the training. He didn't want to know anything about the broadcast. He just wants to know, when the cameras are off with Todd Grisham, what's it like going out with uh, the legend that is Todd Grisham? <laughs> yeah, everybody asked me about this guy. Yeah, Todd is uh, he's my guy, man. We are were- we uh we're kind of like roll dogs now when we get together it's like all right where are we going what are we doing let's uh let's go let's go skip out on the group and see what's going on around, around the local area that's crazy because yeah because that's what campbell said he goes no no woman is safe when uh grisham and uh chris algeria are on the prowl <laughs> yeah, something like that yeah something like that i'm not gonna get into all that but chris thank you very much enjoy your cookouts on sundays and i hope we, we see more of you in the broadcast booth what about a comeback we gotta ask that question Do you still training you still want to come back or do you feel like you're making a very nice living here on the nutrition side very smart guy well, what's the latest on that uh front no i still got the passion i still have the fight in me i still got some big fights left in me so uh i'll be i'll be announcing soon with, with what's going on with my future in the ring awesome looking forward to it chris algeri thanks a lot my man Absolutely, bro. Anytime. I wasn't going to do a Twitter hitter segment from this episode um, until Garcia versus Easter on Saturday night, and it produced a lot of good content. So I kept my eye on it on Twitter as I watched the fight, which is something that I love to do on fight night is not only watch the fight, but you got to have your computer open. you got to have Twitter open because boxing Twitter, as we went through with Lou DiBella, is a very just crazy subculture of of people out there mostly jokes that only boxing fans would understand and that's what brings me to our first twitter hitter twitter hitter here and that's pony sport export tweeted after the garcia easter fight that danny jacobs scored this fight for easter if you don't understand that joke danny jacobs apparently thought that adrian broner beat mikey garcia last july and i can confirm that because i was actually sitting right in front of uh, Danny Jacobs when he said that uh, I think he won the fight. He said it over and over. He, throughout the fight, he was standing up, clapping, thing, saying that he was winning. You know, he was. He actually said that he was up. You know, going into the twelfth round, I was like, I don't know what to say. Like, am I going to turn around and tell Danny Jacobs, like, are you sure you're watching the same fight? 
So I just turned around. I said, do you really think that, that Adrian Broner won that fight? Yo, easy, easy. You know, seven rounds of five, easy. So everyone had a good laugh at that. And uh, <laughs> you never know what you're going to see on the boxing Twitter. Raging Babe then got on, on the Twitter machine. And she says, Mikey Garcia 2, Bandcamp 0. Uh, of course, you know that Adrian Broner and his crew of Ohio fighters calling themselves the Bandcamp. Uh, Robert Easter, one of them. Now, Mikey Garcia now has two wins over the band camp. And I don't know if, don't know if you saw this picture um, that was tweeted recently, uh, Saturday night after the fight. It was Mikey Garcia. It was a great photo. It was Mikey Garcia at the podium. He had about 12 belts, all his medals, all the gold. And in the background, you can see Adrian Broner just kind of like this, like kind of staring at him like, man, that could be me. But, you know, it's not. But moving forward here, Twitter hitters. Big George Foreman live tweeting during the fight, Mikey Garcia fight. I didn't even think George Foreman was capable of live tweeting, but and I also thought that maybe one of the five Georges ran his Twitter. No, it's not. You can see a lot of spelling mistakes, a lot of stuff that lets it know that it's George Foreman. A lot of just kind of messy tweeting, which is always great to see. Uh, and he was tweeting throughout the fight, going uh, going in on, on Mikey Garcia. He's a huge Mikey Garcia fan. Uh, Kevin Ioli, of course, asked uh, George Foreman after the fight what he thinks about Mikey Garcia versus Errol Spence, which is a topic of conversation now in boxing. And that's when uh, Big George uh, tweeted that some of the best welterweights moved up from lightweight. Uh, Robinson, I'm, I'm thinking he's talking about Ray Robinson, even made a great middleweight. Mikey can do it. He then went on to tweet a picture of Mikey Garcia saying that he is the best pound-for-pound -pound fighter in boxing right now. And that kind of set a lot of people off because they think that Lomachenko is, uh, Terrence Crawford, to name a few. But... Uh, as for uh, as for Mikey Garcia moving up and weight, I honestly think the fight will happen. I think that it can be easily made with Showtime. Uh, something that, that fans need to know uh, when it comes to budgets is that pay-per-views don't affect the network's budget. It's a separate entity. So therefore, Showtime can make this fight without without disrupting their 2018 budget. So you know, all the more reason why I think that fight will happen. Uh, will Mikey win? Story for for another day. But that got me into the juicy part here of Twitter haters. The reason I wanted to do this segment today. It wasn't the greatest back and forth. We've seen much better uh, t fighters go at it on Twitter back and forth. But it was between two fighters who we really want to see in the ring. That's Terrence Crawford and that's Errol Spence. I guess Terrence Crawford was getting a little jealous. He was getting a little jealous of the fact that Mikey Garcia was getting a lot of shine. He was getting jealous of the fact that Errol Spence is the is the the uh 147 pounder that mikey garcia wants to jump up to fight that's when crawford went on twitter and said don't sleep on that man from omaha so you know he's tweeting about himself in the third person don't sleep on me that's when spence didn't reply to him sent out his own tweet and said some fighters are on the wrong side of the street meaning that terrence crawford is with top rank with espn not showtime and i, I saw a very good reply to that said that you know al Heyman works for you you don't work for al and that's something I thought was just perfect. A lot of these fighters think that they, they can't demand these fights. Look what Jorge Linares did. He demanded that he fight Lomachenko. He made it happen. They crossed over network uh, you know, problems to get it done. So I think that you know this fight could happen if they really wanted it. Uh, then it got a little chippy. That's when Crawford uh, fired back. I own the whole block, so it don't matter what side of the street you're on. <laughs> and that's when Spence just replied, you don't believe that. And then they just let it go. I mean, it was kind of weak. Not the best one, but the fact that these two are talking and there's momentum building, a lot of people are talking about it. Hopefully, we can see these two in the ring while they're still in their prime. 
and we don't have to just uh, have to go on Twitter to see some slight jabs. I would call them. I would even call them like a power jab. That's like a like a pawing jab between these two. But that's it for Twitter hitters. Uh, some good stuff here. Keep them coming here. If you have any great tweets, you see something, and you want to get featured on the show, tweet us at CompuBox using the hashtag Twitter hitters. Okay, that's a wrap on another great edition of Inside Boxing Live. A special thanks to our guests, Chris Algieri and CBS Sports' Brian Campbell. As for what's upcoming this weekend, HBO Boxing is back with uh, Crusher Kovalev. He'll be in the ring uh, looking to get back into the picture at 175. And also Dimitri Bival will be in the ring too. Hopefully we can see those two guys fight at the end of uh, 2018. Who knows? Maybe by the time we talk again, Mikey Garcia, Errol Spence will be finalized and uh, Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury will also be finalized. Keep it locked here to Inside Boxing Live.